Hi there, welcome to Shiloh Tabernacle London. We're located in South East London in Woolwich Dockyard, Block 1, Unit 9, Dockyard Industrial Estate, Woolwich Church Street, SC18 5PQ. Join us for our Bible study every Friday from 7.30 to 9pm and you can't miss our Sunday services packed with prayer, vibrant worship and a powerful word. First service is 9am to 10.30 followed by our family service from 10.30 to 12.30. And now for the best part, let's get into the word. It's a very good morning. Uh, uh, I feel uh, God has... uh, given me a powerful message for us today. And uh, I want to begin by bringing you greetings from uh, my man of God and uh, spiritual father, Apostle Grace Rivega. Uh, he knows uh, that we are here and he honors what is happening. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, also, Pastor Ruben, it's good to see you. Uh, it's, and it's an honor to uh, fellowship at this place, at this altar. Thank you so much for the labor you put in and uh, for all that you do for the Lord. And I know that your labor uh, in the Lord shall always be rewarded, always be rewarded. Hallelujah. We have a a very short time to share us too much. I feel the Lord has impressed too much on my heart. And I believe that uh, today you will go a step higher in your faith. You'll go a step higher in your faith. And this is the desire of Jesus Christ for all of us that we may grow in faith. The Bible says that we are supposed to move from faith to faith. The Bible says that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. God expects us to move from faith to faith because each level of faith has a different uh, manifestation of God's righteousness, you see. Yes, you know God is righteous, but you don't know yet another level of God's righteousness until you move another level of faith. You see, if your faith can go to another level, you will discover that God is more faithful than what you have seen. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Yes, you have seen the goodness of God. Yes, God has moved mountains. Yes, God has done great things. But when you move, from one level of faith to the next level of faith, you will be shocked. You you will think you have never known God before (laughs) because God does greater things than what you have seen. And I believe that the season we are entering is a season of seeing greater things, greater manifestations of the Holy Spirit. God is going to do things he has never done before. You know, he's a God of new things. He's a God of new things. So much so that he is even planning a new earth. You imagine a God who plans another earth. Already we are, we are amazed by this earth. We are, uh, you know, you look at technology and you are like, wow, what is this? What is this? And God says uh, he wants to throw away this earth. <laughs> we, want, we still want to, you know, cars, nice cars. They're still releasing new cars, uh, the, the new planes. The world is changing. You know, uh, we, we are very soon you're going to be talking about, uh, you know, uh, instead of using taxis, we are using airplanes to move around town. <laughs> and God says, uh, do that very fast because I want to remove this earth and bring another one. 
He's a God of plenty. He's a God of too much. He has more than we have seen. And if you think you have seen, then you just move to the next level of faith. You will understand that you had not seen before. The Bible says the righteousness of God is revealed at every level of faith. When you move from faith to faith, you see a different God. <laughs> you know, we say God, uh, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, he's the same. That the truth is that he's the same. But as you move from faith to faith, you discover, ah, guy is not the same. <laughs> yes, he's the same, but the, his power is revealed at different levels. And so at lesser realms of faith, you get to see uh, just certain manifestations of God's power. But when you move to a higher level, you begin to see higher things, higher things. Hallelujah. And so today, I want us to touch on something very powerful, uh, which I have titled the, the predicament of man and God's answer. The predicament of man and God's answer. The predicament of man and God's answer. And God's answer. We will go to the book of Romans Chapter 1, verse 16, a very popular verse, Romans 1 and verse 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, just because it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, why are we talking about salvation? We talk about salvation because of the predicament of man. The predicament of man. God is bringing in salvation because of the predicament of man. So now, man needs salvation, but salvation from what? Salvation from what? Okay, salvation from what? Now, this word here, salvation, when it says it is the power of God unto salvation, that word is the Greek word sozo. Now, sozo, is complete salvation. Complete, the completion of salvation. Now, many people, when you talk about salvation, they think about sins, sin, sin. Man's pre predicament is not just sins or sin. No, man's predicament is wider than just the sins that he commits. Because even sin in itself is a principle. Sin is a principle. Sin is a law. According to the Bible, it's a law. Sin is a law. Law, law not, not in the, like the Ten Commandments. Sin is, is a, when we talk about a law, it, it is like the way you see gravity. Gravity. 
you can't avoid gravity. The only way to overcome gravity is to apply a higher law, which is called the law of lift. See, the law of lift. When you enter into an airplane, you begin to defy gravity by the law of lift because the airplane will lift you from the earth. And so also sin is a law. And so man is controlled, uh, is controlled locally by sin. The way gravity controls people that when you jump, you must come back down. You see, you must come back down. Sin also is a law such that when you try to do good, you must return to your evil place. <laughs> That's the predicament, one of the predicaments of man. The way gravity pulls a man back to the earth. Sin also is a law that even if a man decides to do a good thing, sin will ensure that you, you return. You see, sin will ensure that you return and become an evil man, return and become an evil woman. So that's also one of the predicaments. But sin in itself is not just the, is not the only predicament of man. You see, it's not the only predicament of man. The first predicament of man is his nature. Not to even talk about the sin nature. I'm not talking about sin nature. I'm talking about the nature of the first man. The nature of the first man was his, was his predicament. And I'm not talking about the sin nature now. I'm talking about even before the man sinned. Even the, before the man sinned, he was in the predicament. Before he sinned. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. There was a problem before sin. Because people think that sin is the only problem. There was another problem before sin came. There was another problem. Which problem was it? You look at what God tells Adam. He says, you are free to eat all the trees in the garden. You're free. Eat from all the trees, except the one in the middle of the garden. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because actually there were two trees in the middle of the garden. There were two trees. One which was the tree of life and another was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he tells him, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because in the day you eat of that tree, it says you shall surely die. That is revealing to us the first problem of the first man. He says, you eat it, you die. Which means the, the Adam could die. You see? Adam could die. If Adam could not die, there is no reason why God would say you will die. So the first creation that God made, the first man that God made could die. Even before he, even before he reached out to touch that tree, he could die. He could. He could die. <laughs> so that alone was a predicament that he could die. That he could die. But of course, that also was a blessing. The fact that he could die was also partly a blessing to Adam. Because if Adam could not die, then he could not be died for after sinning. Man needed to die for him to be died for. <laughs> because if man could not die, 
then there would be no reason for Jesus to come and die for him because he couldn't die. So death was also somehow a blessing to him that he could die. That is why when he sinned, God said, let's not allow this man to eat on the tree of life because if he eats on the tree of life, he will no longer die. And if he cannot die, then Jesus will become irrelevant. And which means man will remain in his sin. He will live forever in sin. And if he lives forever in sin, he will be not redeemable. And so God says, let's not allow him to eat on the tree of life. So for God to not allow man to eat on the tree of life was an act of God's grace. So that he can help man to remain redeemable. To remain redeemable. But that, you know, that's going to another place. But let's rewind a bit. Before man sins, he is already having a problem of dying. He can die. That's why God says, the day you eat of this, you will surely die. So that is giving us a revelation that he could die. You see that? So the predicament of man, the predicament of man and God's answer to that predicament, that is what we are sharing today. That is what we are sharing today. What is man's actual problem? What is the importance of this message? Every problem man has found himself in is not the actual problem. Whether it is luck, whether it is sickness, whether it is in depression, anything they call a problem is not the actual problem. There was the true predicament of man the true problem of man, which, which God gave the answer to. Whereby, if you get the answer to the actual predicament, you will have had the answer to any kind of confusion in life. Oh, Kasataba. Thinking about it alone starts the anointing of God. Just thinking about it. There's only one major problem of man. One major problem of man. And God has provided an answer such that when you get to know this answer, you can use it against any problem and you have a solution at any time. At any time. Okay? Now, to understand the predicament of man, you have to look at God's answer. Now, let's look at God's answer first before we look at the predicament. Let's look at God, God's answer. In the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, John 3 16. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. Oh, hallelujah. Whoever believes in Jesus should not perish, but have everlasting life, but have eternal life. <laughs> ah, that verse has been so preached that in many Bibles it has faded. But it remains one of the most powerful verses of the scriptures. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, that begotten son, praise the Lord Jesus Christ, that begotten son of Jesus, or that begotten son of God, who is Jesus Christ, is God's answer for the world's predicament. 
is God's answer for, for the world's predicament, for the predicament that the world has found itself in. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is God's answer. He's God's answer to any question any man will ever raise. He's the ultimate answer to any question any man will ever ask concerning anything. Okay? And says, whoever believes, so the way to receive the answer is to believe. To believe. It says, should not perish. Should not perish. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. So which perishing is this? If you want to know the kind of perishing, you have to look at the kind of salvation that is being provided. The kind of salvation that is being provided is called sozo. Sozo is complete salvation. Complete salvation. Complete salvation. You see, complete salvation. What is complete salvation? He's talking about all-round salvation. All-round, where you are saved from anything that demeans, anything that brings you low, anything that leaves you without answers, anything that puts you in a place of confusion. So, so when you are healed in your body, when you're healed in your body, that might not put money in your pocket. You see that? There are people who are healed in their body, but they are broke. Then there are people who have money, but they are sick. Then there are people who are not sick, they have the money, but they are confused. <laughs> so, 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 sorts all those dark areas. So, so, Sozo fixes your, your finances. Sozo fixes your health. Sozo gives you a, a, a mental health. Mental, it gives you uh, super intelligence. It works on your mind. You are not stressed. Sozo gives you complete, you find that you nothing, nothing rules over you. You are the one in charge. The Bible says, the Bible says in the book of Romans, I believe, is it Romans chapter five? Let me see, let's Romans chapter five. Uh, great, 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 great. Glory to God. Let's look at, um, okay, let me give, first give it to you, we shall get it. Skifas uh, can get it for us. He says, uh, those, for those who receive abundance of grace, and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. They which receive, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. That is Romans chapter five, verse 17, yes. He says, for if, one, if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. That's uh, Romans five seventeen. If by one man's offense, death reigned, look at that, death reigned. Death took over. Death took over government. Death took over government. Death took over government, which means from the dead man's sin, he came under the government of death. You see, he came under the government of death. That is why the answer is bringing eternal life. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will, will should not perish, but come uh, come from under the government of death and have eternal life <laughs> and put death, oh, shatalabakaya, put death under his own government. God 
reinstates the man back into government by his son, Jesus Christ. The reason why we have sicknesses, death, nervous breakdowns, is because death took over government. Death took over government by one man's sin. Says death reigned. Death reigned. Death was the one in charge. Death was the one setting the laws. Death was the one setting the laws. So man found himself operating under the government of death. He says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. So the sinning of Adam was not cheap. It was expensive. Death took over government. Adam was, when Adam was moved to sin against God, it was a bigger move than having him to disobey God. The consequences was that death would take over. And when death took over, it started to reign. Now, when death started to reign, man became broke. He became sick. He got nervous breakdowns, became confused. The Bible says he had to eat from his own sweat. Eating from a, man's, a man eating from his own sweat is as a result of death reigning. So he sends his only begotten son to change governments. <laughs> hey, any man who's suffering is suffering under the wrong government. The wrong government. And here I'm not talking about the government of Uganda. I'm not talking about the government of Uganda. I'm not talking about the government of whichever nation you are, you are in. I'm talking about government in the realm of the spirit. Government in the realm of the spirit. So the predicament of man, one of the major predicaments of man is that the reigning of death, the reigning of death. It says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned. It says, by one. It says, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Government has changed. Government has changed. Government has changed. Government has changed. You are now the one in power. Oh, hallelujah. Death is no longer in power. You are now the one in charge. Death is not the one now setting the rules. You are now the one setting the rules. <laughs> oh, that's what makes this good news. You set the rules. When death came in, plants began to dry. There was no drying of plants before. Before death, the presence of God was manure to the plants. You look at Adam, before he sinned, Fruits, fruits were just coming out of the ground. The presence of God was the fertility of the soil. When death reigned, the presence of God lifted. Because of sin, the presence of God lifted. Because of sin, the presence of God lifted. And so man now needed manure for the soil. So when Jesus Christ comes back, he brings the blessing. Jesus Christ brings the blessing back. Now the soil does not have to rely on manure. The presence of God is now the one in charge of fruitfulness in our life. No longer the works of the hands of man, the sweat of man. Okay? So it says, for, it says death reigned. But now he says those who have received abundance of grace. He's talking about those who have believed in Jesus Christ. 
If you have believed in Jesus Christ, you have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Oh, hallelujah. Even though there is more grace, the one you have received is sufficient for you to reign over death. Government has changed. Government has changed. <laughs> the government has, you are now the one in government. You are the one now setting the rules. So now you are, the, the predicament of man was that he was under a, the wrong government. He was under the wrong government. But to understand even better, what is the predicament of man? You have to look at this man, Jesus Christ, that God gave. This man, Jesus Christ, that God gave. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay? That whoever believes in him should not perish. Whether it is financial perishing, whether it is health-wise perishing, whether it is, you know, your, your, your mental health perishing, because there are people who, who, who went mad, you see? Others are possessed of devils. All that, the answer is Jesus Christ. Even failing marriages, the answer is Jesus Christ. Failing relationships, frustrated businesses, the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus Christ. So now, which means we now have to, to study this man, Jesus Christ, to understand the actual predicament of man. Let's look at this man, Jesus Christ. Let's look at this man, Jesus Christ. What has Jesus Christ brought? When we see who Jesus is, we will understand the true predicament of man. When we understand what Jesus is or, and what he brings, then we, by that, we can see the predicament of man. Now, let me take us through this. Jesus said, I am the way. Okay? Jesus said, I am the way. For Jesus to say, I am the way, that reveals the predicament of man. He says, I am the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. Where to where? He said, the way to the Father. Jesus says, I am the way to the Father. Which means the predicament of man is that he is disconnected from the Father. Man is disconnected from the Father. His poverty, his confusion, his sickness, his instability, is all coming from his disconnection from the Father. So Jesus Christ comes as the answer to that disconnection and says, I am the way to the Father. If you are with the Father, all these things you are going through, you will no longer go through them. I am the way. <laughs> you can look for other solutions. But your true predicament is not that you have no money or that you are sick or that you are confused. Your true predicament is 
the disconnection from the Father. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. I am the way. Which means when you receive Jesus, you receive the connection back to the Father. And once you are with the Father, then all the confusion has ended. All the confusion has ended. Confusion ends when you are with the Father. The Bible says that in the presence of God is fullness of joy. <laughs> in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Why is there fullness of joy? Because of the completion of salvation. Because if you are not saved somewhere, you cannot be fully joyful. You see, you're going to be fully joyful. For you to have full joy, you must be with the Father. You have to be with the Father to have full joy. He says in his presence, there's fullness of joy, which means in his presence, all things are catered for. All things are catered for. He says there's fullness of joy. Why? Because of the completion, because of so-so, the completion of salvation. Because if there's any area you're not saved in, you cannot have joy. You all can only fake it. You can only fake it. You can only fake it. Praise God. So he says, I'm the way to the Father. So man's problem was that he was not with the Father. So Jesus Christ comes as the link, as the link back to the Father. Then he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth. Which means man's predicament is that he is deceived. Man is deceived. All the problems of man are coming from the fact that he's deceived. He's deceived. He says, I'm the truth. I'm the way, the truth. Man is suffering because he was deceived. When you go back to the beginning, man was deceived. That the, when he eats of the fruit, he will become wise. When he ate it, he became foolish. And since then, he has lived under foolishness. And every book any man has written on success, as long as he wrote it and is not born again, is a book that is to help a man to survive the consequences of his foolishness. Ah. Man is deceived. Every book, every book, that is written, that is not from the spirit of God, that is not in agreement with the scriptures, even if it is to help in your finance or to help you in, in health, is a lie. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the truth. Before you read any book, understand Jesus Christ. <laughs> if you have to read a book, read a book that speaks about Jesus Christ because he is the answer to any kind of predicament. Any other information you're getting to help you solve any problem is a lie. Jesus said, I am the truth. So man is deceived. Man is deceived to the level where he thinks that his problem is his problem. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Man thinks that what he thinks is the problem is the problem. For example, man, when he sinned, he covered his nakedness and he began to run around to hide because he thought his problem was that he was naked. He thought his problem was being naked, but his problem was disconnection from the father. He thought, he thought the problem was being naked. 
So he, he began, the first solution he was looking for is to cover himself because he thought that nakedness was his issue. But the Bible says, even before they sinned, they were naked. The Bible says they were naked and not ashamed. They were naked and not ashamed. Why? Because in the presence of the Father, there is no shame. Oh, Pastor, there is no shame in the presence of the Father. There's no shame. There's no shame in the presence of the Father. You see, they were naked and not ashamed. Naked and not ashamed. So man thinks he's naked, but God says, no, the problem here is not being naked. The problem is that you have moved out from your place. You have been deceived. You have been deceived. So man is living a lie. The poverty is a lie. The sickness is a lie. The confusion is a lie. Jesus said, I am the truth. Oh, Satan. I'm the truth. Oh, hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm the truth. I'm the truth. I'm the truth. When you, when, you, when you receive Jesus Christ, you have received the truth. The truth. Jesus Christ is the ultimate solution to any problem. The ultimate solution. That's why we preach Jesus Christ. That's why he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. So if the gospel is the power, that also will reveal to you the predicament of man. If it is the power, it means the predicament of man is powerlessness. Powerlessness. It says the gospel is the power, which means man is powerless. Man is powerless. And because he is powerless, because man is powerless, that will also tell you the uselessness of the law in his life. <laughs> hey, the use, listen, the law is useless. Why? Because man is powerless. Because the law is demanding from the man to perform. But the man that is being demanded to perform is powerless. The gospel is the power. <laughs> it says the gospel of Christ is the power of God. So man is powerless. Why is he powerless? Because he has no truth. Why is he powerless? Because he has no fellowship with the Father. He's powerless. He's powerless. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So when we preach the gospel, we are empowering men. Says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and to salvation to everyone. The power of God 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 to everyone. Why? Because everyone is powerless without the gospel. Everyone is powerless without the gospel. But what is the gospel? What is the gospel? What is the gospel? That Jesus, who is the way, you have now received him. Now that you have received him, you have now come into fellowship with the Father. And now that you have come into the fellowship with the Father, you already have the answer to any predicament. Aye, aye. Your fellowship with the Father is the end of all sorrow, end of all suffering. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you understand this gospel, it says it is the power of God. It is the power of God. Don't look for power. The gospel is the power. And to sozo, and to complete salvation, and to complete salvation, which means if we, if we preach this gospel wrong, we risk not giving people complete salvation. You see, 
The reason that's why we have to preach the actual gospel. It says it is the power of God, which means man is powerless. And because he's powerless, the law is useless. It's no use telling a powerless people to do things that require power. To do things that require, require power. You know, people say, well, if you preach the grace of God, uh, you will cause people to sin. They talk about the dangers of preaching grace. We don't need to know the dangers of preaching grace. When you know the dangers of preaching the law, <laughs> you will receive a hug from grace. <laughs> ay, 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 ay. The dangers of preaching the law. Because the law is demanding. The law demands. The law puts a demand on your life. The law puts a demand on your life. The grace of God supplies what the law is demanding. The difference between the grace and the law is that the law demands, but grace supplies. You see? Grace supplies. When you live under the law, there will be that demand on your life to, to, uh, to perform. The demand to perform. Yet the demand is put, being put on a powerless man. The grace of God provides power to perform. Power to perform. Power to perform. But not just power to perform. Ah, yeah. The beauty with the gospel is it does, it does not just give you power to perform. It gives you the reward before you perform. <laughs> the, the, the gospel gives you the reward. The reward. That's the beauty of the gospel. You receive the reward before you perform. The law promises the reward if you perform. The problem is that you can't perform because you lack the power, which is in the gospel. The power comes with the gospel. So when, when the law puts a demand on you before you receive the gospel, you have no power to perform. And because you have no power to perform, forget about the reward. Now the gospel comes with the reward. And then it gives you power also to perform. <laughs> Which means when you perform in the gospel, you're not performing for the reward because the reward is given free. That's why where we read it says, they which receive, lay they which receive, that's how the gospel begins. The law begins with they which perform. They which perform. That's how the law, the law, the law approaches. It begins with they which perform. The grace of God begins with they which receive. Why? <laughs> Why? Because something has been performed already by Jesus Christ. That's why now we're talking about receiving. They which receive. Why are we receiving? Because of what has already been performed. Jesus Christ came to meet the demands of justice. And when he came, he did exactly that. He met the demands of justice. So which means you are not the one demanded now. When Jesus came, the, law, the demand of the law on any man was put on one man, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ was the one demanded to provide righteousness for all men. So he fulfilled that demand. When the Lord demanded, Jesus delivered. When Jesus delivered, he died. Oh. Any man who was to deliver was not to die. Because the law was saying, you deliver, you will not die. Deliver. 
fulfill the commandments, you will not die. That was the promise of the law is if you fulfill the commandments, you will not die. That was the promise of the law. If you fulfill, you will not die. Jesus came unfulfilled, but died. For him, he fulfilled and died. Yet the law says, if you fulfill, you will not die. Him, he fulfilled and died. He fulfilled and died. So why was he dying? He was dying for those who could not fulfill. Those who could not fulfill. Those are the ones he was dying for. Which means he gave away his reward. Oh, shut up, Kabaya. Because the reward of the law was life if you fulfilled. So Jesus came and fulfilled, received the reward, which was life, and gave it to Masasi, who believed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The law was promising life to those who fulfill. Jesus fulfilled, but the law never gave him life. He instead died. The life he was supposed to get from the law is what he passes on to you for free. He died having not deserved death, that you might live having not deserved life. Oh, basata, kabayala basata. We did not deserve life, but we live. Just like he did not deserve death, but he died. This is the gospel. <laughs> These things I'm talking about, they are the power of God. They are the power of God. So which means death is no longer yours because Jesus claimed it as his. So you are not allowed to claim death. Jesus already claimed it. Your claim is life. By believing you claim life, you receive life. So now that you have received Jesus Christ, you are no longer under death. You are no longer, death is no longer in control. Government has changed. The government has changed. The government has changed. Don't wait for the president of Uganda to move of power. He will move eventually. He will move eventually. Don't, don't wait for the president or the queen of England or whoever you are for that one to change power. Those ones, they will change by death. Death will just decide or by votes, whichever way. The bigger government is what has changed. <laughs> hey, they which receive, why are they receiving? The law says they which perform shall receive. But the gospel begins with they which receive. It says as many as believe in him. So now you are called upon to believe. Hallelujah. You can't trust the law. The law can no longer deliver. It can no longer deliver. And Jesus Christ, the Bible says, the law was given by Moses. It says, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Okay? Grace came. Now, when we preach the grace of God, people say, hey, these guys are supporting sin. These guys are supporting sin. You who preaches the law, let me tell you what you support. The Bible says the letter kills. The letter kills. So when you preach the law, you are supporting the death. You are supporting the death. It says the letter kills. So the preacher who is saying thou shalt not kill is already killing. <laughs> the man who comes and says thou shalt not kill. 
That's the first murderer. Then the one who believes that message is the murdered. Do you see that? The Bible calls the law the ministry of condemnation. 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 The Bible says also, let me give you a verse here. So you understand uh, the dangers of you and preaching the law. Hmm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Romans 3:20. Romans 3:20. He says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. He says, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. When you preach the law or believe the law, you risk, you risk having no justification before God. Having no justification, he says, by the deeds, by the deeds of the law. When you do the law, he says, you are risking not being justified before God. Okay? That's a serious risk. You imagine arriving before God and you are not justified. And you're just fight. Look at First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse fifty-six. First Corinthians fifteen, verse fifty-six. He says, "The sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin." It says, "And the strength of sin is the law. The strength of sin is the law." Which means, when a man preaches or believes the law, he is strengthened to sin. The preacher is strengthened, is the strengthener of sin. The believer is the one strengthened to go and sin. The believer is strengthened to go and sin. Can you imagine when a man not to sin? You are actually strengthening him. People say that when we preach the grace, we are giving a license to sin. Okay, supposing that is true, that the one who preaches grace gives license. A license to sin and strength to sin, which one is worse? <laughs> you imagine it. A man who's given say you are, a man who's given a license, uh, go and sin. And another who is strengthened, <laughs> given the ability to go and perform. <laughs> who is worse? Says, and of course, it is not true that when we preach grace. That when we preach grace, we, empower, we, we, we uh, give a license to sin. It's not true. I need another time to explain that. You see? He says the one who preaches the law is strengthening people to sin. Strengthening people to sin. Men do not need the law. They need Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer to sin. Is the answer to sin. One day they brought in a, a woman. Understand Jesus Christ. They brought him a woman who the Bible says she was caught red-handed. Red-handed in the very act. She was caught in the very act. She was caught in the very act. And then they got her in that very act and brought her to Jesus. <laughs> now, also, that is how the law functions. The law will bring the woman and leave the man there. If it was the very act, there were supposed to be two people. Why are you bringing one? Why, why are we having only the woman? Where is the man? Where is the man? Why did the law bring the man? 
<laughs> because also that's how the law functions. Those who preach the law, they know how to condemn the woman, but they don't know how to condemn the man. Like the man on the pulpit preaching the law, he's not condemning himself, he's condemning the congregation. But even him, he's in the very act. <laughs> the man preaching the law, if we bring the same light, the same light on top of him, you will discover that there's no difference between the man on the pulpit and the man on the congregation. But the law will bring only the congregation as a sinner and then leave the man on the pulpit as, as the man who is okay. <laughs> it's like Moses is saying, guys, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. But Moses, according to scripture, was the first man to break the law. Read the Bible properly. When he came and found people sinning, he broke the law. The very law God gave him from the mountain. When he brought it, he said, hey, guys, you are sinning a lot. He broke it. <laughs> Before they could read it, he broke it. He broke it. So they bring this woman to Jesus anyway. And when they bring him to Jesus, Jesus said, wow. Okay, let's operate in the law. We are going to stone this woman. We are going to stone this woman. But this is the order we are going to use. I want us to stone her, but in order. I want the one who has never sinned to be the first one to stone her. The one who has never sinned. And the Bible says, they began to drop their stones from the greatest, the least, and they all went home. They all went home. But they had come to stone, they came to stone, <laughs> the people that came to stone, they did not stay for stoning. <laughs> because by the same token, they should have remained there to receive each one their stone. <laughs> hey, Jesus looks at this woman, powerless woman, and says, uh-huh, where are those that condemn you? The woman says, they are nowhere. She says, wow. Then Jesus told her, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn And I'm thinking, why shouldn't Jesus condemn her? Because this Jesus was functioning under the law. Even though he came with grace and truth, he was still under the law because he had to fulfill that law. And so how come that woman was not condemnable with Jesus Christ? It's because Jesus knew her true predicament. He knew her true predicament. Her true problem. He says now, go and sin no more. Why did Jesus tell her to go and sin no more? Because he, he knew that if she went to sin again, if they caught her, they will not bring her back to Jesus because they know Jesus' answer. <laughs> they know what Jesus will answer. So they will not bring her back. They will just kill her. Says, don't do this thing again because they will not bring you to me. Okay? So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the answer to sin. He's the answer to sickness. He's the answer to poverty. But he brings the grace of God. And by the grace of God, I want, I want, I want to expound I want to expound on what it means to function in grace. I would want to expound on what it means to function in grace. And the next time we meet, 
I will touch on that. I will touch on that. But right now, let us look at Jesus Christ, the solution to all man's predicaments. Jesus is God's answer to man's predicament. So when Jesus said, there's also another place where Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus said, I am the door for the sheep. I am the door. When Jesus says, I'm the door, in that you see man's predicament. He says, I am the door. What is the door for? The door is for access. The door is for access. So Jesus is saying, I am the access. Access to what? To the kingdom of God. Access to the kingdom of God. He told Nicodemus that except a man is born again. Let's look at that. John chapter 3. Thank you, Holy Spirit. John 3. We shall read verse 3 because of time. You, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And he says, Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? How can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5, Jesus answered, Very, very, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter. See, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Man's predicament is that he is locked outside the kingdom of God. He is locked outside the kingdom of God. He is locked outside. Now, that is a big predicament. To be locked out. The reason as to why man is working, sweating to get what to eat. There are things that happen outside the kingdom of God. Like sweating to get what to eat. Sweating to get what to eat. That happens outside the kingdom of God. Now people are saying, oh well, so shouldn't we work to get what to eat? Shouldn't we work? <laughs> shouldn't we work? Work is not to get what to eat. No. Working is demonstrating the power of God. Work is for demonstrating the power of God. Because when you work, you earn. When you earn, you remove the tithe. And when you give your tithe, that tithe demonstrates the power of God. Because tithe is the money, of, the money that is in the presence of God. And the other nine is the money in your presence. And so God is saying, let's see which money brings more, the one in my presence or the one in your presence. You see that? So when you tithe, you're demonstrating the power of God on 10 against 9. Okay? <laughs> God is saying, okay, you work with the 9. Me, let me work with the 10. Let's see who brings more. You see that? So we work to demonstrate the power of God. If we are to dig, we are demonstrating the power of God. Because when we dig, we're going to get the first fruit. When you get the first fruit, when you get the first fruit and give it to God, you are bring that under subjection of the power of God to see what the, the power of God can, can do. So, so you demonstrate the power of God in your life. So working is not so that you can get something to eat. No, you are just demonstrating the power of God. You see, because also God demonstrates his power. He likes to demonstrate power, to show who he is. So also when you work, you demonstrate the power of God. Okay? 
But you're not supposed to work to get what to eat. Those things happen outside the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, I'm the door to another kingdom where you don't have to sweat to get what to eat. <laughs> In the kingdom of God, everything works. Jesus said, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. What was the predicament of man? The absence of that kingdom. The absence of that kingdom was the predicament of man. The absence of that kingdom was the problem of man. Says thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. What is the predicament of man? That the will of God was not happening on earth. Says your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven, your will be done on earth as it is in the kingdom of heaven, which a man receives when he is born again. When a man is born again, he has access through Jesus Christ, who is the door into the kingdom of God, where everything works. Ay, ay, ay. Welcome to the kingdom where everything works. If you're born again, welcome to the kingdom where everything works. Everything works. In the other kingdom of man, in the kingdom of man, you have to try the first time. If it doesn't work, try the second time. If it doesn't work, try the third time until it works. In the kingdom of God, if you say, let me wave at the tree and it will fall. When you wave, it falls. You don't have to try the first time or the second time. In the kingdom of God, it just works. Oh, Sadabaya. In the kingdom of God, if you say, if I do, if I call money like this, it will come. The moment you call, it comes. You don't try the first time or the second time. So Jesus is saying, let that kind of kingdom where everything works come. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In heaven, they don't try the first time and the second time. No. In heaven, when you jump, wanting to fly, you fly. The first time, there are no trials. In heaven, we are trying to see whether we can learn how to fly. No. When you want to fly in heaven, you just take off. And it says, let that kingdom, Makabaya, let that kingdom come. Let that kingdom come. Where anything you do works. <laughs> in heaven, when you wish your friend was near you, he come, they come near you. On earth, you have to make a phone call. In heaven, if you want them, you have access to them. Such a kingdom. He says, I am the door. I'm the access to such a kingdom. So now, welcome to such a kingdom. It sounds too good to be true. Sounds too why? Because we have had too much of the negative that it has become our reality. Jesus said, I am the truth. Truth means I'm the reality. I am the reality. Praise God. So when you look at who Jesus is, you'll understand the predicament of man and the solution that God gave, God's answer. And now, how, what is your response to God's answer? He says, believe. Now that you are in this kingdom, believe that anything is possible. <laughs> anything is now possible. Praise God. This is, as we finish, this is the will of God. That your life is full of answers and not questions. Jesus Christ has come as the ultimate answer. And so what you need right now are not 10 principles of how to come out of poverty or 10 principles or how to live well. Jesus also said, I am the bread of life, which means the predicament of man is that man is malnourished. Man is malnourished. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The food that man eats is just to support him. 
just to support his life. Jesus does not want you to live on life support. He wants you to have life to the full. God says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. When you have this life, the life that Jesus gives does not need life support. In itself, Jesus said that your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. Okay? And manna was the best food earth has ever seen. Which means there is no nutrition plan that can give you a life that is equal or anywhere equal to the life that Jesus gives. The one Jesus gives says, if you eat of it, forget about death. Oh, yeah, but Karabaya. Because I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Any other food is a, is a deception. Any other food is a deception. Your health, your wealth, and your spiritual growth, your mental health is all perfected in Jesus Christ. Invest in knowing this man. Invest in, the Bible says, Jesus Christ, when he entered the temple, he cleaned it. This is the only man that can clean poverty once in a man's life. He can clean sickness once in a man's life. You don't have to sweep every day the house. Jesus sweeps once. If you are the one sweeping according to the law, you will sweep and sweep and sweep. You sweep today, tomorrow there will be dust. If you're functioning by the law. But if Jesus sweeps, he sweeps. And after sweeping, he fills you with the Holy Spirit. When he fills you with the Holy Spirit, now no demon can come back. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I wish we had two days. But as usual, when time sees Pastor Masasi, it runs away. <laughs> time fears Pastor Masasi, and it has, it, uh, we are one minute now late. Praise God. I want you to thank God where you are. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God for Jesus Christ. The answer, the answer to all man's predicaments. Now you have his gospel in your mouth. When you preach it, you are giving answers. When we preach, we they are distributing answers. You are a distributor of answers. Hallelujah. And not just answers. You are giving eternal solutions, divine solutions. Go ahead and thank God for Jesus Christ, that he gave us Jesus Christ. Go ahead and thank him. Pray and give thanks to God for Jesus Christ. For there is nothing better you can thank God for. Nothing better you can thank God for. Go ahead and thank God for Jesus. All my predicaments are gone. All your disease is gone. All your poverty is, has gone. In Christ Jesus. Give thanks to God. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon and I know you've been blessed. For more information about Shiloh Tabernacle and other sermons, please visit our website www.shiloh.org.uk and don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Shiloh LDN. Once again, that's at Shiloh LDN. You've been listening to Shiloh Tabernacle London, changing lives, building dreams. Until next time, God bless.